All right, good morning. How y'all doing? Good, good, good. Uh, in case you don't know who I am, Javen, most of you guys think know me. Um, you know me. Oh, boy. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good to see you. Uh, I'm going to speak here today with you guys. I'm really excited about sharing something about the two kingdoms, uh, two very, very different kingdoms. But before I get to that this morning, I, I wanted to tell you guys that um, there was once a time that I thought everybody who attended this class was crazy. Um, so now that I've hopefully offended everybody, no, uh, the, um, when I first started coming here to Grace Church, um, it was probably about a year and a half after that I started working here, and our, um, my, my office was actually the conference room. Um, so um, I used to boast that I had the biggest office in the church, you know, because we just didn't have offices, you know. So I met in there, had a little white table in there, and that's also where James's class was held, okay? So... Um, every week I would come in on Monday morning, I would look at the board where he had been writing on it, and every single day uh, was written on, like, grace, you know. And I was like, oh, that's cool, he, he really likes grace, you know. Now, when I first came here, I should tell you, I didn't necessarily fully understand grace. Um, and so I come in every day, and I'm like, okay, you know, week after week after week after week, you know, and the notes looked exactly the same, you know. And, like, a year went by, you know, and I'm looking at the board, I'm like, these people really need some grace. Like, there must be a serious problem because all they ever talk about is grace. I just didn't get it, you know? And I remember talking, you know, to our executive pastor at the time, and I remember talking to her just saying, man, I, I really just feel like these people just, they can't get enough of this. And I didn't really understand why. Well, uh, revelation is a strange thing. And over time, I remember God began to change and began to show me things, and I began to see a lot of the things that I believed were out of, really out of line. And I remember suddenly having those awakening moments where I said, now I get it. Now I get it. I get it, I get it. Grace really is everything. It impacts everything. And now I get it. And so anyway, this morning I want to talk a little bit about this thing called Revelation, this thing about the, the, these two very, very different kingdoms and the way that I see this stuff now, which is so encouraging and gets me excited. Um, but let's just pray this morning before we get started. Father, I just thank you so much gosh, for your love, for your grace, for even putting up with someone like me and, and, and working on me until I saw it. God, you're just amazing. And I pray for everybody this morning, Lord, that we would just hear from you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, faith is something that's produced from faith. There's been many like myself who honestly trusted in the Lord, loved him, wanted to do what was right before God. And I remember going and talking to friends and and witnessing on church street and doing all of these things from a, from a more legalistic, you know, perception. And I did it out of the right heart, right? As we all probably did at one point in time. Uh, I really, really wanted to defend truth. Really wanted to defend what I saw as being as true and what was being taught to me. And I wanted to share that with the world. And the reason why it is so easy, as we know, to accept a works-based doctrine is because it really resembles this world really well, okay? I mean... Just last night, you know, I hate to say this, you know, but I had to pull the car over, you know. The kids were in the back, and there was stuff going on, and I had to pull the car over, you know. I was like, oh, my gosh, it just happened, you know. I never thought I would see that day. And, you know, nothing horrible, really. Just had to go back there and correct a few things, and things were fine. But that's the way we've kind of viewed God, you know, before really understanding the finished work of the cross. Is, is I'm doing great, God, but just... You might have to pull the car over once in a while. You know, that's the kind of the way I saw God was every once in a while he'd have to pull the car over, give me a whooping or something, and, and then we could get back on the road. 
And that's how I kind of saw God. And there were so many times that I just would sit there and I'd come out of a worship service. I'd come out of a time where I just loved him and worshiped him. And, and then you have some moment of failure. You get in a fight with somebody. I'd fight with my brother or whatever. And the next thing I know, I'd be on the ground just saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm trying. Boy, I didn't realize how off I was. Not that there's something wrong in talking to God about our failures, but I was enslaved to them. It's very different. And it makes total sense, though. I never argued with that doctrine because, honestly, it matches this world perfectly. And that's sort of the point this morning is that we all read the Bible through a lens. And you will read the lens through one of two kingdoms. I, was, I didn't realize it, but I was reading the word through this kingdom's lens. I was looking at the world through these eyes, going, hey, God, I'm, I'm reading your word. I'm receiving some revelation, but I hadn't really had the fullness revealed to me in my heart yet. And so I'd look at things through the eyes of this kingdom. That's because the word is something that's revealed to us. So these days, it's, it's, it's funny. I find myself more and more when I engage my friends, my other pastor friends, others that maybe don't believe um, that God really has finished it all on the cross, that Jesus really did finish it all. Um, I'm finding myself not really arguing anymore as much as I am just loving, you know, and encouraging. Um, Boy, it's so easy to get into the argument. You know, but I, I sit there and I think, nobody ever argued with me. Nobody ever beat me up, really, with the truth. They just love me and, hey, man, <laughs> I'll let God get you. <laughs> and God did, thankfully. So this morning, here, here's, here's what I've got. How do you know when it's revelation? And what I mean by that is, is that when you are seeing the reality of his kingdom versus this one, well, number one, I believe it will lead you to freedom. And I'm going to kind of expound on all these here in a minute, but it will lead you to freedom. It will lead you to peace. It will lead you to total dependence on faith. It will lead you away from worry. It will lead you away from working to earn and lead you to rest and revelation of his love. It will lead you to a cross, an empty one, with a big plaque on it that says, It is finished. If you don't wake up every morning feeling that sense of freedom and peace, I would argue that there might be something of this earth mixed in with your theology. There might be something of, of, of this kingdom's mentality mixed in there. That's what I found to be true. And how do you know it looks, how do you know that what you're receiving as revelation is it won't look anything like this world? I mean, it'll look nothing like this world because grace truly looks nothing like this world. So this morning we're talking about two different kingdoms. So I love this question. Where was Jesus prior to being here on earth? This is a really fun question, by the way. I remember asking Pastor Clark just saying, man, what did Jesus look like? You know, okay, because we know he, he took, took on our form, right? Took the human form to be here on earth. And so I kind of wonder, I remember asking, asking, asking Clark one time, I was thinking, was he just like a big amorphous blob beforehand? Like, did he have no form? He was the word made flesh. Well, there was no flesh at one point in time. So what was he, you know? And, and Clark just kind of looked at me, he's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever, Javen. Um, but, but it's those kind of thoughts, you know, I love those thoughts about thinking, Jesus, you've always been. I remember that's one of the very first deep questions I asked my parents. I remember when I was a kid was, how has Jesus and God always been? Like, that didn't make any sense to me. Like, and it still doesn't really make any sense to me. I'm, it's just hard to fathom, but he's always been. And he was with God in his kingdom. 
man, what that must look like. And we get a, we get, we get a piece or a look at this kingdom here on earth in the Garden of Eden. We see the intersection between, between God and man right here on this earth. And there's, there's these trees you can walk up and you can just pluck life off of it if you wanted to and eat life. I mean, what, was, what must have... Like, what did that look like? I would have gone to the tree that had, like, six-pack abs like fruit, you know, and, like, grab that one and take a bite of that one. And, like, it, it must have been amazing. I just can't imagine that. And the kingdom was once visible, but it had been made hidden from our sight after the fall. And it wasn't just heaven. You know, I used to always kind of think, like, the kingdom of God is just it's heaven, you know. So someday I'll be a part of the kingdom of God, you know. I remember having a little, little pin as a kid that said, kingdom kid. And I remember thinking that just meant, like, I'm going to heaven, you know. It's my little badge. Um, it's not just heaven. It's all of him. And we chose that we wanted a kingdom that was created and based on us and not on him. And the further out you get from seeing that truth, the further from the garden that we got, just the harder it was to understand. Have you ever been to another culture in the world, like you ever visited another country? I know I've had the opportunity to go on a few mission trips and you go to these other countries and there, you will have a moment on every single mission trip if you were kind of born and raised right here in America where you go and you look and you go, this is crazy. I'm like, you will say that phrase. It's kind of wrong, you know, but you may say it under your breath, but you're just like, are they really about to eat that? You know, like, is this serious right now? I remember uh, our teenagers, we took this past year, you know, there was multiple times where you're just jaw-dropping kind of, how can life exist like this? Like, this is weird to us. Like, this culture shock that I'm feeling, it's so bizarre. And see, that's what Paul said when he worded it like this in Romans chapter 1. He basically was saying the further out we got from God, the further out in our kingdom that we got, we began looking back at the kingdom of God going, that's just crazy. I don't, even, I don't even understand that anymore. And you know what? You don't have to have much more proof than to just go, go spend a day on the street telling people about Jesus and, and watch what you hear. They will call you crazy. It will happen. They don't understand that kingdom. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. It's the ultimate culture shock. So in Romans 1.25, Paul he begins to explain it like this. A little before that, he says that we became futile in our speculations. Our hearts were darkened. Boy, we profess to be wise. How many of us have loved ones that profess to be wise? But they were fools. He says that we traded the truth for a lie. See, I love that word truth. Whenever Jesus used it, he was talking about something that, boy, you, you can argue with me on truth because it's very possible that I, I don't quite see it all. I have a history of that. But when, you, when, you talk, when Jesus is talking, he's saying, look, I'm telling you how things really are. This is not just truth as I see it. This is the reality of the situation, okay? So you can really trust when Jesus is saying that. And nothing ruins a good story like the truth. <laughs> so Jesus shows up on the scene. He comes into our little fiction world. He comes in from what's real. kingdom of God, the reality of what is invades the fictional story of what isn't, but thinks it is. And what happens the moment he arrives on the scene? Peace. We're going to celebrate that, you know, in the next month, once we get through being thankful. Um, peace. 
Let's, let's look at a few verses this morning. If you have your Bible, we're going to turn to Luke. Um, go to Luke chapter 1. John got the awesome mission of going before Jesus and proclaiming to everybody what was coming. I mean, I say awesome mission, but the guy ate a lot of stuff again that I just wouldn't want to eat. But this was prophesied over John. I love this. Luke 1, This is what he was going to get to do. He was going to get to give the people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I love that. It's prophesied over John that you are going to foretell about the one who's like a sunrise coming up over, illuminating the darkness, who will lead people to peace. Go to Luke 2. 14, you guys know this story. We celebrate it every year. These shepherds are sitting out on the field. They're watching over their flock. All of a sudden, these angels appear with a sonic boom. I mean, come on, angels show up, there's got to be a sonic boom, right? So, like, these angels appear, and, like, a whole host of them appear, and they're all worshiping, and, and what do they say? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. How often when we share our, like, the gospel with somebody, do we tell somebody that there is peace and God is pleased and he loves you? We typically start somewhere in the line of, you're just an ugly sinner and you need to get right, right? Like that was kind of the thing. That's not what the angels did. They said for the very first time, really in the history of mankind since the garden, there's peace, peace. You're coming from death out of, from death into life. The sun is going to shine on the darkness. The kingdom has returned. Revelation from God brings peace. I wish I would have seen that years ago. So then Jesus begins to preach the kingdom. Go to Luke 4. We're just going to stay in Luke here for a minute. I love this. He begins to preach the kingdom in Luke 4, 42. When day came, Jesus left, and he went to a secluded place. And the crowds were searching for him, and they came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. All right, let me take a time out. Isn't it funny to anybody else that when Jesus is always getting away, that he can get away from everybody, like, so easily? Like, I would love to know the full story of how Jesus gets away. I mean, he does he just point behind everybody, and he's like, what's that? And then, like, books it. Like, is he really fast? I don't know. But, like, he's always trying to get away from the people. And that's going to be an important point in just a moment and not just a joke. Um, but I love this. He just... He's finishing telling people, he's healing people, he's doing all these wonderful things, and, and, and they want him to stay because they're hearing reality for the first time. They're hearing truth for the first time, and they're saying, no, 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 please don't go. And he goes, listen, i got to tell everybody about this kingdom, because see, this kingdom right here is a kingdom of darkness. You guys don't even realize it. It's totally dark. I'm bringing a kingdom of light, and in me, you're going to see things that you've, you never even knew. I got to go. I got to go. Okay, so he's preaching this. He's saying things like the kingdom's returned, the kingdom is near. Um, and then look at uh, 
We already did that one. Look at the, uh, go, to, go on to John. Go to John chapter 6. And see, here's the thing, is that he's saying that I was sent to reveal a kingdom, and nobody is getting what he's saying. They're really not. And you really, you sit there, and it's so easy to kind of judge these guys and be like, man, how did you guys not realize this was God on earth? Well, they didn't have, like, it all explained to them, you know. But they're just seeing him as a prophet. They're seeing him as somebody who's teaching some wonderful truth. And even that alone, that little smidgen of that, was something so valuable to them. He promises eternal life. Look in John 6, 26. Now I'm not thinking that verse is right. <laughs> well, we'll skip that one. But he promises eternal life. Go to 628. I know 628 is what I want. Oh, I know why it's not, because I'm in the wrong book. <sighs> Amateurs. <laughs> All right, now I'm going back to John 626, now that I'm in the right book. There we go. All right. <laughs> All right, Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 people. By the way, like, that had to be amazing. You know, you ever think about that? Dude gets, like, a bag of Chick-fil-A and, like, blesses it, and, like, everybody gets a party platter, you know? Like, that's amazing to me. Like, I sit there and think about that. I'm like, I can't imagine. I'll be honest. I'm surprised that's not expounded more in the Bible. Like, let me explain to you how crazy this was. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's another day in the neighborhood walking with Jesus, you know? It's like, we prayed over some stuff. Food's everywhere, you know? Like, that's awesome. So he just finishes doing this stuff. Are, people are all fed. They're, 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 they're happy. And, and I love this because... They're always, they're always, they're always trying to set Jesus up here on this earth. You know, actually, let's back up real quick. Go to 615, just a few verses there. So Jesus perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force. What a loving gesture. To come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Again, there he goes. He got away again. I'd love to see how that happened, but... Again, they were coming to take him by force. They're saying, listen, you just gave us food, okay? Like, this is the best news all day. Like, this food was awesome. We're hearing some wonderful, you know, blessed are these people and things, and that sounds really nice. And, and, and we want to make you king. See, this is what happens, is that we here on earth, even those of us in the Christian realm, it happens all the time. You can just peruse the network. Uh, we love this kingdom, we want to set up God here on this kingdom. We want, we want to do things by this kingdom's mentality. They're trying to take Jesus and make him king of this kingdom. And Jesus is saying, you've missed it. I don't care about this kingdom. This kingdom's a joke, okay? Like, I come from a place that you can't even fathom. I'm coming not to recycle this kingdom or to put a big band-aid on it or a nice big, you know, thing of tape on it. I'm coming to take you out of this kingdom and into something brand spanking new. So he's got to get away. He gets up in the mountain. I love that he always goes up into the mountain. So did Moses. I don't know what it is about the mountain, but like people go up there and they just go to get with God, to go to get revelation from him. Jesus said, I'm always doing what the Father is revealing to me. So he goes up in the mountain. He gets with God. Just kind of an aside. Man, when you go through something in life, this is a great... <laughs> great thing to do is don't see things through this kingdom. 
Go get aside, go download from him and go see things from his kingdom. He retreats, and I love this. He comes back to the water because he knows the disciples went on ahead of him. They got in the boats, they took off. People actually all got in boats and were like, let's follow these guys. Jesus gets to the water, there's no boat. I mean, this is no big deal, right? I mean, Jesus walks on water, okay? Like, this is the story you hear in kids' church, and you kind of forget about it as you get older, but, like, he literally is like, no boat, no big deal. I'll catch up. And, like, he just walks on the water. That's amazing to me. And it cracks me up when I sit there, and I'm like, you don't think Jesus couldn't get off the cross? Like, if he wanted to? I mean, the dude just walked on water. Like, what else? What can't he do? He walks across the water. He gets all the way to the opposite side, Disciples tying up boats, whatever. And you got all the people are still gathered around and they still want more because they want more. Really, they want food in some ways because Jesus kind of explains that here in a minute. But he starts promising eternal life. John 26, or 6, 26. Jesus answered them and said, Truly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food that endures into eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. This, this kingdom's mentality is to work. His is to rest. Look what happens next. Therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? This kingdom's mentality every single time. What do I got to do? Okay, sounds good, Jesus. What work can I go do? How many times, at least in my early Christian years, that was my response. Okay, God, what must I do to make you happy? What work can I do to work the works of God? To work, work, to work, to work. It's all about the work. Jesus is saying, I'm going to work so that you have to just believe. And look at verse 29. Jesus answered, and he goes, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. You want your part? It's to believe. Now, they don't, they don't get that. I barely get that. Okay, like, I mean, they just, they, they hear that. They hear the, the promise of eternal life. They're hearing about this kingdom and they respond by just saying, well, then give us a sign. Just give us a sign because that seems to be the thing to do, you know, to give me a sign. And this is where things start getting a little crazy. And I love this. I really feel like Jesus in some ways like messing with people, but he's not. But, but he's trying to explain the unexplainable. He's trying to explain, look, I can't even use your own words to describe where I come from. You can't get that kingdom. I'm going to try. So he'd say things like the kingdom of God is like a stone, you know, in the middle of a field. And some guy tripped over and bought the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like he's trying some way to explain the value and, 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 the, and the mentality of this kingdom to the people. And what do they do? They ask for a sign. So he responds with truth. And remember that word truth is reality for him. He's speaking about this is how things are. Look at verse 32 in chapter 6. Jesus then said to him, truly, truly, I say to you. It is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is trying to explain the unexplainable. And this makes the religious leaders very upset. 
And they started saying things like, wait a minute, isn't this, jo isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the Jesus, you know, we saw him kind of grow up? Look at John 6, 28. What shall we do? Actually, I'm sorry. Skip forward. Go to John 6, 47. Truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He who believes has eternal life. Remember, this kingdom, Chick-fil-A, they're thinking food. They're thinking, okay, wait. He's trying to explain to them something. He says, listen, I'm trying to explain to you the unexplainable. Imagine God sending life to earth. And here it comes. Jesus, uh, John 6, 53. Jesus decides to just go ahead and give it to him. <laughs> Truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Can you just imagine everybody's faces in that moment? They're just like, you gave us all these blessed are the people and thing, and that sounded great. You gave us a bunch of food, and now all of a sudden you just got like the robes and the Kool-Aid out, and you're like, all right, guys, so glad y'all are here. Um, it's time to eat me, okay? Like... <laughs> <laughs> in that moment, I don't know what I would have done, okay? I would have heard this and been like, you had me until you got crazy, okay? Like, this is nuts, okay? I mean, really picture Jesus, this guy, he's a prophet or whatever you think he is at the moment. He's, he's speaking this wonderful truth. And all of a sudden, he just said that my flesh is real food. In my blood, you got to drink that. <laughs> and obviously, we, we know through Revelation, what he was trying to explain. He really was talking about his death. He's saying, look, you don't know what I'm here to do. And do you remember what I was saying before about the culture shock? When you go into a different kingdom and you look at a different kingdom, it's going, you're gonna, it's gonna happen. At some point, you're gonna say, this is crazy. And at some point, if you haven't already, if you don't look at grace and say, grace, this is crazy, I'd you're way farther down the road than I am. Because when I look at grace, I go, that's crazy. You want to die for me? You who have seen everything? Boy, Jesus, we were really with you until you started showing us something out of this world. Skip to John 8. Boy, if there's anything you hear this morning, hear John 8. You guys know the story of the adulterous woman. Skip down to 12, though, right after that. Boy, if they needed an application to how different his kingdom is compared to this kingdom, they just got it. 
Jesus then spoke, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am illuminating truth into darkness. I have come. Remember, you guys have been so long absent from the truth. that This all seems so crazy to you. You don't understand why I just forgave that woman. You don't even get that. To them, they all had the rocks ready, ready to get some blood on their hands. And they're like, hey, we got this woman, man. Let's get it on. Let's, 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 let's hit her with rocks. And Jesus is going, man, I love that woman. I remember her before she was even born. Gosh, I remember the thoughts. I love her so much. And look at what he says. And he's, he's going back and forth with these religious leaders. And he says something so beautiful. Go to verse, uh, well, verse 14. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Look at verse 15. And this is one that I just want to plaster on the wall. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. Boy, every legalist friend of mine, I say that term lovingly, I love my, my brothers and sisters, but the, who say, Javen, you just like Paul too much. You know, Paul was just, he was just really hopped up on grace, you know. Uh, hello, like this is where he got it from. Right from Jesus. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. I don't know how more black and white it can get than Jesus saying, I came here. You guys are still thinking this kingdom mentality. You are just waiting on your heels for someone to break the law. And I'm trying to tell you that you have all broken the law. And I didn't come to judge you. I came to save you. I'm trying to show you this kingdom. And all you can see is just this kingdom in front of you. So John 8, 23, he explains what he's looking for. You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Belief is all he wants. It's all he wants. He didn't come to patch up this kingdom. He was coming to take us out of this kingdom. And the only transportation is belief. And he's trying to explain that. And a gospel message that includes you working is earthly. It is this kingdom based. John 8, 31 through 32. We're just going to kind of keep moving through John. And I'm going to So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him. Okay, these are people who have now chosen Jesus. We're with you. We've gotten through the crazy, and we're actually seeing truth. And we're actually starting to see here that you're showing us something that we've never seen. We believe in this. We believe. That's the big word. So Jesus says to those who believed him, if you continue in my word, and you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And there's, there's the whole thing. You know, so many people I know take that, and they use that to say, see if you continue in his word. His word was, you got to keep, you know, <laughs> keep your nose clean. No. He just said it. My word is that you would believe. 
Stay in that. You stay, look, you stay right there and just believing in me, you're good. You can rest. You can worship me without being a slave. The truth is, I don't judge you based on your actions in this kingdom. You were already judged. I came to save. You stay in that, you're free. You know what I'm not saying there? Go sin like crazy. He doesn't care. I don't understand that mentality anyway. What he's saying is, is that I've not only set you free from sin, I set you free from the bondage of just feeling like you had to constantly be free. I mean, it's all done. And then Jesus prays for you. Did you know Jesus prays for you? I need to read this more often. Just skip to the part. Um, John 17. Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to pray for my disciples. I'm also going to pray for those who, who the truth comes out through them. So that's you and me. And he prays this and he says this in verse 13. But now I come to you. And he's talking to God here. He's praying to the Father. And these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Big thing there. Even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Can I ask you a question this morning? It's kind of a dumb question. Does the Father answer Jesus' prayers? Yeah, I'd hope so, you know. (laughs) So either this prayer just got answered when Jesus was asking the Father to do some of this right here, or God didn't answer Jesus' prayers, which is all kinds of paradoxical problems. But anyway, he prays to the Father, and he's prayed something so awesome. He just If you read the full thing of 17 there, he says to them, listen, I want those who believe in me to be with me always. Always. That's his desire, is I want them with me everywhere I go as Jesus. I want them everywhere. I want them with me at all times. And so he starts explaining some things here. He says that your word is truth. Sanctify them in me. So many people believe that we're just justified and sanctification is the process, you know, all the way up to heaven or whatever. That is ridiculous. Like, it's completely ridiculous because you can't be in Christ then. Because right there he just said, sanctify them in me. In other words, set them apart in me. Just like I'm not of this kingdom They're not of this kingdom either. And this is where the weird sci-fi stuff kicks in, which I absolutely love. But God found a way to separate us from this world. We're kind of in two kingdoms. We're not really, but we're really in his kingdom. And our rotten corpse is like over here in this kingdom. You know what I mean? Like we're walking around crucified and all that stuff, but we're still here and all that. It's confusing sci-fi. And we're really existing in this kingdom over here with Jesus, sanctified in him, totally holy as he is holy in him. Now, I always, always think that when Jesus was saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you, I used to always kind of think, you know, I very well could be like my mansion. It's going to be like totally filled with beanbags and stuff. It's going to be awesome. That's possible. But I think it's more than that. He's saying, I'm going to prepare a place. In other words, I always want you with me and I'm with you and we're in the Father. That's the relationship that I want with you. 
So God, I'm praying to you right now as your son, would you sanctify them in me? Set them apart in me. They're not of the world anymore. The moment you believed you left the world, I know it's weird, but you left the world. You're, you're no longer stationed here, so to speak. The, the real you has been cut off and set aside and you're sanctified in him and his kingdom. But then he says something awesome. And he says, listen, here's the, here's the thing, God. They're not of the world anymore, but would you leave them here in the world? It's kind of a weird thing, right? If you haven't really been sanctified in him, then the first part of his prayer doesn't make any sense. He just finished saying, I want to be with them always. And then he goes, but leave them here. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Jesus, you're praying two different types of prayers. No, because he sanctified us, sanctified us in him, suddenly he can say, now, here's the cool part, they're already in me, they'll be sanctified in me, we will have that kind of relationship, but leave them here too, because they've got a mission. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I, has, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. Go into the world and tell everybody about my kingdom, the kingdom that's come, not this kingdom. This kingdom is worthless. Man, trade it in. He sends us into the world to proclaim the news so that all would believe. And then he says, in a different place in John, he goes, listen, the ruler of this world is coming. The ruler of this kingdom is coming. This is huge for you and me. But see, because he says this right after that, he says, but he has no place in me. You know what that means? You and I are placed in a place the devil can't go. We're in a kingdom that he has no part in. He's got nothing. Revelation of the truth or the reality of where Christ comes from who he is and where you are will lead you to freedom. Absolute freedom. Not just free from sin, but also free from being a slave to yourself. He'll lead you to peace. Whose peace? His peace. He said, I peace is what I'm leaving you. You'll never again be an enemy of God. You'll never be on the opposite side of what he's doing. You'll never have that kind of relationship with him. Never. Because you're in me. You're already in the kingdom. You made it. Congratulations. You'll have total peace. It will lead you to a total dependence on faith. Man, I'm not sin conscious anymore, almost to a fault. Like, I'm like, I, there's days where I'm like, God, I haven't talked to you about sin in a while. Like, I feel like I should because it's good for me. But man, I'm just so focused on him and his love. I'm noticing it transforms every part of my life. I'd much rather be focused on God. It will lead you away from worry. What can you possibly have to worry about? Seriously, this kingdom? Oh, you got lots to worry about. This kingdom is awful. But you're not a part of this kingdom. It will lead you away from working to earn and lead you to rest and revelation of his love. How loved do you feel knowing how elaborate the plan God put together for you and me? I mean, I cannot feel more loved. In fact, those are those moments that I sit there and literally go, God, I think you must be crazy. This culture shock is just almost too much. 
It'll lead you to the cross where a big plaque hangs that says, it was finished, Javen, and it is finished. How do you know when you're receiving revelation, it won't look anything like this world? And although you live in this world for a time, Christ sees you in his kingdom and not this one. I mean, how how do you know when God looks at you, he can see you, you won't burn up, that whole thing? Because he sees you in the kingdom. He sees you as you, how you really are. He answered Jesus' prayer. Here's the thing this morning. Here on earth, it's so easy to get focused on this kingdom. I mean, it really is. Even in how we believe things about God. Think back to the last time somebody really hurt you, did something horrible, disappointed you, let you down. Gut level reaction, look through the eyes of this kingdom. I can't believe they did that. Let me hit up Facebook and tell the whole world about how what a big jerk they are. I work with teenagers, so that's more of their thing, but... (laughs) Can I tell you what I'm trying to do is do what Jesus did, get up in the mountain. Maybe that's my bedroom. And I get up there and I just say, hey, God, I need to see things your way. I know this is not my kingdom anymore. And I'm here just for one purpose, really. It's not to amass as much wealth as I possibly can. Though I'm not, don't think God wants to bless. It's not to build my little kingdom here. It's not to even set you up as a little king down here. I know that my goal of my entire life is really just to point people to your kingdom and say, hey, man, that's where it's at. But God, right now I'm going through something that's really, really tough. Help me to see it through your eyes. Here's the good news today is that is possible because you are in that kingdom. That's your kingdom. You don't got to hope God hears you because I'm not sure if I've done the right thing this week. or what. No, he hears you. You're in the kingdom. And let me, let me just end with this this morning. There will come a day in your future. I'm not prophesying over you. I just happen to know how this kingdom works. There's coming a day in your future where you will experience hurt. You will experience disappointment. You will experience a hardship. You will experience things that on this kingdom could take you out in this kingdom. You will, just because that's the nature of this kingdom. Your response It's not to work harder to get God. Maybe maybe you fell out of God's grace or whatever. No. Focus on him. Focus on his grace. Man, just focus on the kingdom that's real, not the kingdom that's fake. Father, we just love you so much this morning. I can't even thank you enough for placing us in your kingdom, a kingdom where the devil has no part. A kingdom where you're not judging according to the rules of this kingdom. A kingdom where you just love us and we're with you and we'll never be separate. We love you so much. We bring you so much praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.